You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Our guest co-host, Jay Randall Murphy. And some people have asked me whether I'm making a permanent decision with regard to the co-host. And I will say that Randall's going to be a big part of what we do in the future. But right now, we're not announcing anything. So we'll see how we decide that. And anyway... We get some great reaction to last week's episode. And this week we've got something interesting, and it has a lot of nuance to it. So we have Kerry Trent Haggard. He's co-author with Johnny Dale Cochran II. No relationship to that Johnny Cochran from California, late lawyer. No, mention that. no relation to him. The book is called Traveler, published by Flying Disc Press, our old friend Philip Mantle. And it's an interesting story, which I guess is fiction. Is that right, Carrie? Well, uh, Traveler is uh, historical fiction. The 1897 sections are based as closely as I could get them on the historical happenings of what happened April 17, 1897. Uh, the 1997 sections are totally fictional that were made up by John and myself. Is this kind of like a time jump sort of story then? Yes, it goes back and forth for 100 years. What happened was this girl reporter in uh, Gainesville, Texas in 1997 finds the ancient newspaper article, the original actual newspaper article, and her editor sends her over to Aurora to find out what the story is, find out where this alien is buried. And then we do a lot of flashbacks in the novel to 1897 when the events actually happened. So you're proceeding under the assumption here that whatever happened in 1897 did involve an extraterrestrial. Oh, absolutely. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that uh, early in the morning on April 17, 1897, a single alien vessel crashed into the water tower in Aurora, Texas, and died. I believe that they buried him in the local cemetery because the good townsfolk of the time knew that was the only thing, uh, the only right thing they could do. And I believe that uh, the remainder of his craft was dumped down a well a few years later, and then uh, it was the well was cleaned out in 1957. But yes, I believe that wholeheartedly that the incident happened. Well, you know, it's been a very controversial episode, and there's a general perception here that it may not have happened. Yes, that's true. And I spoke to, uh, I was lucky enough to speak to Jim Mars, who I guess had done more research on the Aurora incident than any man alive before he died. A couple of years ago, I spoke to him, told him of the novel I was writing and how it involved Aurora and how part of it was fictional, but part of it. A large part of it was based on the historical fact, and uh, he was so glad that somebody was doing something to bring attention to the Aurora incident because he wholeheartedly, too, believed that it happened. Yeah, he's got a pretty good uh, documentary, I think, on YouTube about it where he goes there and you can see him wandering around. There's even pictures of the uh, old uh, stone that they found over the uh, alleged grave site. He'd done documentaries on it. He'd done interviews, he'd done presentations at some of the MUFON events on Aurora. And uh, so, yeah, he, he was pretty well, pretty well researched in it. 
Oh yeah, so so your novel then is kind of a docufiction type of thing. So, uh, so that it's got some entertainment value as well as some uh, some sort of mystery that has some actual history in it. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because uh, the the novel was never really meant to be a novel. The novel was written as a screenplay. My co-author and I, we at the time, which we'll get to in a few minutes, we had some time on our hands. So we were telling our stories from our past, and I was documenting those, and then he told me of the Aurora incident. So uh, over the course of a few months, we wrote the screenplay for Traveler. We wrote a movie for Traveler, and everybody that read it loved it so much. They said, you got to expand this into a novel. So I, I spent two years after that working on it, developing the characters, and making a, a full-fledged novel. And then, uh, luckily, uh, thankfully, Philip Mantle from Flying Disc Press was recommended to me to send it to. And when I sent it, I sent him the introduction, and he said, Kerry, he said, if the, uh, if the rest of the novel reads as good as your introduction, I would love to publish your book. And so that's how Traveler got published, and that's, that's why it's on Amazon today. Well, of course, we know that Philip Mantle is one of the good guys in British UFO research. Now, in putting together your version of what happened in Aurora in 1897, then did you rely on any other sources other than Jim Mars to kind of put this all together? Well, uh, I, I, I watched everything that had ever been done on Aurora. I read everything I could possibly read. Uh, of course, I read the original newspaper articles published in the Dallas and the Fort Worth papers. Um, and then I, I tried to imagine, I took all the facts, and then I tried to imagine how the good people of Aurora, Texas, just a couple decades after the Civil War, would react to an extraterrestrial falling out of the sky when at that time the fastest mode of transportation was a train that clacked along at 40 miles an hour and the only thing that could fly was birds. I tried to envision how they would cope with it, how they would react to it, and how they would deal with such an event. And that's the way I wrote it in the novel. Did you know that they made a movie uh, of that, um, I believe back in 1986, Yes, horrible. I, I watched the first 10 minutes and turned it off. It was a it, joke. Had it no, is horrible. Had nothing to do. <laughs> it, it's horrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. I watched, I watched 10 minutes and turned it off. I said, that has nothing to do, nothing to do with the Aurora or the actual Aurora crash. It was just a, it was a joke. So, no, as far as I'm concerned, they've never done anything on it. Yeah, I think at one point they've got the little alien guy coming out and he, he gets into a, a uh, checkers game and and some moonshine with one of the characters and and uh, at the end he gets shot and that's why he crashes his ship because somebody just uh, with a loose trigger finger uh, shoots the alien so you know was now from your research did anyone actually see the alien or was it simply just a crash and then they they sort of had to do a cleanup afterwards well the way I wrote story there was one witness there was an old cowboy that had wandered through the night and stepped out of the bar just as it crashed and a little boy in a field 
And there were stories of a young man in a field that saw the vessel come roaring over Nice as he was outside working early in the morning and heard the crash. But his father wouldn't let him go into town because they had to finish their chores. That was that's an old legend that uh, was told at the time. So I, I sort of incorporated that into the story. And actually, the young boy turned out to be the great-great-grandfather of some of the boys in the uh, 1997 section. So I, I sort of weaved all that together. But uh, as far as actual uh, witnesses, I don't know. And they didn't mention any of the newspapers. Um, I, I gave it a couple of those. So shall we say then that you took a few artistic liberties, as they say? Well, yeah, I wanted to make the story interesting. I wanted to make it entertaining. Again, I want to make the movie out of this. Uh, my my fondest wish is for somebody to uh, to uh, read the novel and say, "Wow, this would make a great film." and and be interested in uh, helping me get that accomplished somewhere down the road. We've got more to come. The book is Traveler. We're talking with one of the authors, Carrie Trent Haggard. Will it be a movie? Our special co-host is J. Randall Murphy. You're in The Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Heart-related health problems affect millions of people each year. Maybe you're one of the many who suffer from issues related to angina pain, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, or clogged arteries. There is a solution that doesn't involve expensive prescription drugs that only mask the problem and leave you with horrible side effects. If you are ready to live your life free of sickness, pain, and fear, live your life with increased vitality, energy, and youthfulness, and experience your body healing itself. Then you're ready for heart and body extract from Healthy Hearts Club. Here is what one satisfied customer had to say about heart and body extract regarding his angina pain. I haven't had an angina pain since I've been on it. The heart body extract is just so great. I thank God that I was led to this product that's doing so much for me and that can do so much for other people. Call to order your two-month supply of heart and body extract today. Call 1-866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun. 
which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I like the way, Randall, that you emphasize the second paragraph, the second syllable, as you say that. In any case, learning something from James T. Kirk. Scotty, beam me up. Actually, what really happened here is with Star Trek. No, I don't want to do a Star Trek reference because somebody in the forums is complaining that I do too many Star Trek references. I don't do that many. But then more. I think Star Trek's awesome. I think we should do them all through the entire show. Oh, my gosh. I love Star Trek. (laughs) Every time, all through my life. You know, the big question is Star Wars or Star Trek, and I've always been Star Trek. I love the Star Trek. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that was, that's always been my favorite. How about uh, UFOs in general now? Had you been into them much before you heard this story about the crash in Aurora? Well, see, I witnessed one when I was a kid, when I was nine years old in Commerce, Georgia, landing, which is a whole big section of the introduction that I write about. I, I think um, you should tell us about that. Oh, I will. I will. You uh, are, are we still on or are we taking a break? Oh, we're on. Oh, we're on. Okay. Well, you want to hear that story then? I'll start with that one if you'd like. Let's do it. Well, my fascination, my belief in UFOs began in 1974. My father worked for uh, Westinghouse Electric. He was always fascinated with the local cops. And he had a realistic band scanner beside his uh, recliner. And that thing ran night and day. 
weather reports and the the antics of the local police and the fire department and all this stuff. And later on, he uh, he actually worked part time for the police department for nineteen years. But anyway, this was like nineteen seventy four, and there had been a reported, documented, witnessed landing of a UFO in Danielsville, Georgia. Danielsville, Georgia is twelve miles from where I grew up. Within a month or two, there there was chatter in Jackson County Commerce, which is where I which is where I live, that low flying objects were appearing almost nightly. One night, uh, frantic police calls came into the police department that a flaming object had landed in the parking lot of Medical Center Clinic. Now, the Medical Center Clinic they spoke of was the same uh, hospital facility that my mother worked at. She'd been a licensed practical nurse since 1955. And so I, uh, you know, we all hear this. I'm jumping up and down. I'm begging for her to take me to see what happens. So we jumped in her 1969 green unpaneled station wagon and went tearing off over there. And it was only a couple of miles. So by the time we got there, probably seven, eight minutes had passed between the time that these calls that came into police headquarters and the time we got there. When we got there, it was a fire truck, two police cars, and a few others, a uh, few other cars from locals that had heard the same, evidently had heard the same broadcast. But down in the lower corner of the parking lot on the asphalt was a huge 30-foot diameter smoking circle where something incredibly hot had literally melted the asphalt. All around the outside of it were drippings where silver like lead drops melted into the asphalt i'll never forget that that was the most vivid memory of my childhood and a crew came in there two nights later in the middle of the night and repaved the entire parking lot my mom came home on monday and said you'll never believe what they did they went in there during the night and repaved the entire parking lot I saw that. That wasn't something I, I heard about, read in the paper. That was something I saw with my own two eyes when I was like nine years old. So from that moment, I was a true believer in the enigma of UFOs. And when I heard about Aurora, it was my chance to uh, sort of give back something, to to write and to sensationalize a little bit the Aurora incident. We're continuing here with our discussion of the book Traveler. And how things came to pass. Now, are you familiar with someone named Hayden C. Hughes? No, uh, I'm not. I've heard that name before, but I I, I don't know who that is. Well, way back when, I think in the 70s, he got a lot of national publicity promising to make hay out of the Aurora episode. And, you know, it turned out to be nothing. He got his publicity, he got his 10 minutes of fame and kind of sort of disappeared. But no, you never heard of him. All right, well, that's where you go. I think whatever he tried to do didn't work so well. But I'm going to ask you quickly here, now that we've kind of had the background here, tell us more about what happens in your book to bring it up to date. Okay, well, uh, like I said, this, 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 this girl reporter, this young, good-looking girl reporter over in Gainesville, Texas. She's, she does a column. It's called The Century in the News, where she writes interesting epithets on uh, 
articles that happened a hundred years ago. So she digs through the archives of the newspaper and finds stuff and tries to make little, 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 uh, little columns every week. Well, she, she runs across this, which just fascinates her. So she prints off the story. She takes it to her editor. He's a UFO buff. So he immediately says, okay, you need to, you need to go over there and find him. So she goes over and she starts digging around and the sheriff and the game warden have been trying to keep this thing quiet for years. Of course, the FBI has been over there trying to find his grave and they don't want him. They don't want them to take him. And it's just a little country town secret that they're trying to keep a secret. But every now and then somebody comes sniffing around asking all these questions. Well, she uh, gets the help of two cousins and the cousins, actually their great, great grandfather was the one that, that witnessed the crash and stole a piece of the, uh, a piece of the, uh, broken up spaceship. And so, uh, the tale goes on and on and on. And, uh, finally they, uh, they recover the remains of the extraterrestrial and, uh, try to find a safe place to relocate him where the feds can't get a hold of him. So that's, that's the entertaining fictional 1997 part. But there are a lot of chapters in the novel that, uh, go back to 1897 and they, uh, they're, they're pretty much historically accurate as to how the events could have unfolded. So what do you think about it all at this point? What, does anyone do at this point to prove whether or not Aurora happened? It was a real event. That'd be very interesting well, to explore. And the reason I bring that to the forefront is over the years, at least in recent years, the stories of the Aurora, Texas crash have been regarded pretty much as just that a story, not something that ever really happened. I'm going to explore that in our next segment. So we're talking with the author of Traveler. Remember, it's docudrama or fiction based on fact or something like that. And the authors are Carrie Trent Haggard and Johnny Dale Cochran II. Carrie will be back in a moment with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. If you like alkaline water or know someone that does, you're going to love the Dillon Living Water Bottle. It creates alkaline water on the go while reducing plastic waste and saving you money. Made with surgical-grade stainless steel, the Dillon Bottle increases the pH up to 9 to deliver both alkaline and antioxidant water anywhere you want it. Alkaline water is healthier, tastes better, and can even boost energy. The Dillon Bottle makes it easy and affordable to be healthy and achieve optimal hydration. Get your Dillon Bottle today at byln.co. That's byln.co. USA Radio News. 
we're doing a phase two. We'll be doing it probably in October, maybe a little sooner than that. And it'll be more of a middle class. We did a lot for the middle class, but this will be even more aimed at the middle class. One of the things we're thinking about is bringing the 21% down to 20. And then for the most part, the rest of it would go right to the middle class. President Trump on Fox Business when discussing a possible phase two to his tax cut plan. Today, people all across the country were protesting President Trump's immigration plan. Dr. Martin Luther King's niece, Alveda King, was asked if all this civil discourse could lead to violence. It could erupt into violence if we don't keep level heads. You know, my uncle, Martin Luther King Jr., we've talked about this before. He said, I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too difficult a burden to bear. Daddy King in Atlanta at the boiling point said, we've got to become the city that's too busy to hate. This is USA Radio News. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-561-5716. That's 800-561-5716. Again, 800-561-5716. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So at this late stage, we're talking about something that happened in 1897. It's 2018 when we record this episode. How do we, after all these years, prove whether any of this happened? Well, there's no way to prove that it did happen. The Texas Historical Society, they must feel like it happened because there's a, there's a national monument placed there that talks about the incident. They have had uh, teams out there with uh, ground-penetrating radar. And in the spot where the extraterrestrial is buried, there is a small body buried there. But the Aurora City Council 
has strictly forbidden anybody to exhume that body because they do not want that happening. So there's there's really no way to prove that it's an actual event, and there's no way to disprove either. I mean, uh, you know, it was reported in the local newspaper at the time. It's been talked about ever since, on and off. So is it fact? Is it fiction? I can't tell you. I, I know Jim Mars believed it was true. I know I believe it was true, but is there any way to to nail the lid shut on it? I don't know. That site, too, when you were talking about the ground-penetrating radar, uh, from what I recall, they, they actually had picked up some sort of signal from uh, metal there. They had metal detectors out there. And then um, they thought, well, okay, this is really interesting. And uh, a few days later, they, I mean, they'd had some guards posted there because they didn't want people digging it up when they found that. And then a few days later, it turns out that uh, somebody had managed to get in there, according to one article, and extract the metal pieces out of the gravesite somehow uh, with some sort of tube, metal tubes or something, without actually having to dig up the whole thing. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I read the same thing. Somebody went in there in the middle of the night. They must have snuck in through the back. Uh, that's when the gravestone, the original gravestone that was put there on the extraterrestrial's grave in 1897 that had a cigar-shaped craft carved into the rock was stolen. So somebody went in there and stole the gravestone and somehow or another managed to get this metal, these metal fragments out of the ground. Now, was it federal government that went in there at, to, to debunk this, to uh, make sure there was no proof for anyone else to find? Was it a fanatic that went in there? Who knows? I don't know. I have a theory that the gravestone is probably within 10 miles of where it was stolen. There's a lawyer in uh, Fort Worth that's offered a $1,000 award for the return of the gravestone. I think that a lot of the reason the gravestone was stolen was to try to to uh, quiet things up a bit. I don't know about the metal fragments. I read the same thing you did. They stuck a piece of pipe in the ground and drove it down and was able to retrieve them. I, you know, I, somebody went to a lot of trouble to do all that. Why and who? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a rather sophisticated way of extracting just specific bits of. Uh, material from a site if it was just grave robbers or something they just go in there and dig it up and take whatever they could find but you know this sort of extraction method was is kind of uh, unusual i've never heard of anything quite like it right even if we don't know what was down there we do know that some of these things happened like there's certain things that you could believe are historically factual surrounding the case in that sense even if it let's say, is an urban legend or an urban myth, there's still some interesting history around it in terms of what people believe and the way the stories are told and the things, things like this that have happened. Right. And the description of the extraterrestrial at the time was the typical description of the gray. I mean, it was the large head, the, the no hair, the small ears, the small nose. Those old cowboys out there at the time, they didn't make all that up. They wouldn't have known how to make all that up. That's they, a really they good just, point. That is a really good point because them old cowboys, they didn't, 
They didn't know about graves. They didn't know about the carvings in ancient Egypt. They didn't know about the graves that had been visiting us for centuries. Uh, this was the description of what they found, of the being that they found. And it matched perfectly the long arms, the, the slender fingers, the real small uh, being, you know, they, 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 they didn't have no way of knowing all that. How would yeah. they have made that up? I don't know. I don't recall that level of detail in the in the actual news story, though, of the uh, occupant. Is that in the original news story? Or was that something that came out later from investigation? That was what Jim Morris told me that it had been reported at the time. Uh, that there was all kinds of uh, reportings going on, not just in the newspaper, but handed down through the locals of the time. And that was the description that they were giving. So it was the typical gray description. That's interesting. I think what Gene had started get, getting us into as well is uh, this sort of idea. Does does fiction drive UFO mythology or do real events inspire UFO entertainment? Like, which comes first? In this case, it seems to be something that happened quite a long time ago. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, in my research, and here's the thing, in my research to, to do my novel, uh, I found dozens and dozens of accounts of UFOs and alien landings and uh, from the Civil War on up through the 1870s and 1880s and 1890s leading up to Aurora. I've actually got one here that... Okay, so in my research to write Traveler, in my, uh, in my research to write Traveler, I ran across dozens, if not hundreds, of accounts of UFOs in the Old West, alien landings and such. From, 18, you know, the, from the Civil War through the 1870s, 1880s, I've got a real good one here from September 1864. A fur trapper named James Looney watched a skyrocket streak through the sky above the Great Falls of Upper Missouri, which moments later crashed with a monstrous explosion that shook the entire forest and emitted such heat on impact that it turned the ground to glass. Reported in the September Cincinnati commercial, the next morning, Looney was astonished to find a widespread path of destruction cut through the forest several rods wide. He went on to describe the object at the end of it as divided into compartments and carved with hieroglyphics similar to those found in the writings of ancient Egypt. So that's from 1864. So all, you know, there's been uh, hundreds of reports, even back in the old, old West of uh, flying saucers and extraterrestrial landings. It's, it's nothing new. That's pretty interesting. That sounds a lot like the Kecksburg case. Yes. An acorn-shaped kind of thing they thought was a meteor at first came down and uh, went into the forest, and it had similar kind of markings on it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was, uh, that was right here. That was right here in Pennsylvania, where I'm living now. So, yeah, I've heard all about that. Yeah, they've got a kind of a sculpture of the thing right there as well, too. So 
These cases have been going on for quite a while. And we're going to talk about that in more detail in a moment. Okay. Our guest co-host is Jay Randall Murphy. Our guest is Carrie Trent Haggard. The book is called Traveler with so much more to come. Now, somewhat later in the show, we're going to reveal something that you may not know about Trent's past. And something that came as a surprise to us, but something that you might find fascinating, okay? Has nothing to do with UFOs or his hobby of vintage cars. Something fascinating, something you might not have expected. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Get the ultimate knife at an ultimate price. The Fox Karambit Knife. Finally available in the U.S. The Fox Karambit Knife opens with one hand. Faster than you can pull a handgun. For utility, for defense, and for way less than other knives of this caliber. Go to TheUltimateKnife.com. Truly the best knife you will ever own. And only available at TheUltimateKnife.com. Use promo code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Get the ultimate knife at the ultimate price. At TheUltimateKnife.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. 
we could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-910-5936. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-910-5936. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-910-5936. 1-800-910-5936. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. This is Kurt Seven, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Just to let you know here, we are having the usual Skype connection problems, and so... We're trying to undisjoint the interview as much as possible. Randall, go ahead, please. Yeah, we were just talking about how the early airship wave kind of morphed into modern ufology and the connection between that and does fiction drive the mythology or does the mythology drive the fiction? Or does real life cases, in case of some of them that are pretty much verifiable, do they drive the UFO dogma so to speak we've got actually a question on that from one of our forum people and i'll just read that kind of uh, briefly here and then we can get your comment on it carrie he says skeptics claim that we see ufos and aliens because we consume too much fictional entertainment by that logic we should be seeing ufos who look like batman vehicles or aliens who look like dc's marvel's superheroes universes since superheroes have never taken science fiction as a number one fictional entertainment idea or media. So I, I think he makes a pretty valid point there. It, you know, if it's sci-fi driving UFO reports, how come they don't look like typical sci-fi objects? Well, and that, that is a good point in modern day. But there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these accounts way before television. So, uh, you know, if you go back to the ones, they're consistent uh, throughout the 1300s, the 1500s, and the 1800s. Today, you know, people, uh, well, a lot of people like to sensationalize on anything. But today, they they do go by a lot of that. But, you know, how do you explain the ones 200 years ago? I think it's pretty fair to say, I mean, okay, there are skeptics, and I think it's pretty fair to say that quite a few of the reports probably were fictional. If you read Kevin Randall's blog, I'm not sure if you know who he is, but he's done some research and basically found that the person who wrote the original article essentially claimed he made it up. Yeah, it's just fiction. If you know who Jerome Clark is, he's done quite a bit of study on the airship wave. It's like one of his pet projects. And it's known that the newspaper reporters at the time were making up stories just to sell papers and get interest in various locales. 
So I think it's fair to say probably quite a few of them were just stories that were made up. But maybe this one slipped through the cracks. Maybe it's a boy who cried wolf kind of thing. Like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of ones that are uh, are fiction. But hmm, you know, maybe there is one that actually made it through that was real. That's true. It could be you, like I mean, it could have been the entire thing could have been made up. But there were hundreds of accounts from California uh, starting in I think eighteen. 96 or 94 and they're they're pretty much consistent some of the some of the terrestrials that they had landed they breathed through they were small they were short they had no hair they breathed through an apparatus while their craft covered behind them I, i can't say i can't say for sure whether it was true whether it was not whether it was all made up people make up all kinds of things uh i just feel like that a majority of them were probably accurate and that they were seeing UFO craft in the sky. One of the things uh, Kevin Randall asks here too is um, if there was a bunch of metal from the object that was sort of strewn all over the place, how come we don't have any fragments? You'd think somebody would have picked up something or some bit of souvenir. I mean, it couldn't have all just disintegrated into pieces so small. Nobody, uh, you know, would be able to to find them because there was a body involved. So, you know, I mean, a ship would have a lot of parts. Right. Now, I, I believe that people don't know exactly what happened, but uh, the, the report was that, well, my thing is the, uh, the fragments of the craft, they could be in, in Aurora and in the Fort Worth area that they don't or now because they were handed down 121 years ago. Most of the fragments from the craft were dumped down a well. Uh, uh, all, all this is so much speculation. It's impossible to tell where all the fragments are 121 years later. I guess they did find some fragments. They eventually unsealed that uh, well and found remnants of a, a sump pump type of an affair and so they do know that there was some kind of a tower water tower or pumping mechanism there and that there was some fragments that were down in the bottom that had a high content of aluminum i think i mean there weren't many of them but there was enough to analyze them and they and back in those days aluminum and and not a lot of people know this but aluminum was really expensive. It was more expensive than gold because it was so hard to refine. So to, for someone back in the 1800s to uh, hoax something with aluminum would have been really expensive to do. Right. And, and what would be the point? I mean, really, what would be the point to do back then? You know, the argument has always been this story was made up to save Aurora, which was dying. Uh, it had had a crop infestation. It had a fire. The railroad had created it for another location. Story going to help. It's not like a whole bunch of UFO hunters are going to town to and spend a lot of money to see what's going on because nobody cared about nothing like that. They, they, they didn't have no way to even publicize that. The whole idea of this was made up. Right. And, um, uh... 
in addition, I mean, if they wanted to display it and for people to come and look, rather than trying to cover the whole thing up and pretend it wasn't there, you would think that they would have created something like uh, the Aurora Museum or like they have the Roswell UFO Museum. They might have done the same thing instead of burying it all in the ground and pretending it's not there. Right. I mean, if they wanted to sensationalize on the thing, why wouldn't they put it on display on the on the town, on the boardwalk? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to bury it. No, it makes no sense at all. They're, they're all these uh, these cover-up stories uh, they've come up with that uh, Aurora made, made it to save a dying town and all this and that, I, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. I think that the incident happened, but of course, that's my own opinion. Looking at this, at least in my crazy perspective, as a skeptic that anything really strange happened at Aurora, obviously they haven't made a big movement towards monetizing this event. Then again, keeping it a mystery, putting it in a grave that no one is allowed to open up, that would certainly create an aura of mystery to some people. But it's not as if we realize there's an annual Aurora Festival that any of this, the legend of a UFO crash, did anything but maybe inspire sockets of publicity, get some UFO fans to maybe want to go down there and see what was really going on. But as a practical matter, it didn't help Aurora, Texas. But we still have the mystery. It crops up every few years, and we can have some fun with it. And certainly this book, as I said, is fiction. So it really doesn't matter at the end of the day whether this ever happened. If it didn't happen, so be it. So we really don't know. But it sounds like a fun thing to continue to pursue. At the end of the day, right. we find that there's no evidence to prove that a spaceship crashed at Aurora, then alien was recovered from that spaceship or was involved in any particular way. If it's shown that that didn't happen, it wouldn't affect your book any. But would you be upset over all the work you've done or what? Oh, no. You know, it, it, uh, it's just our culture. It's history. Uh, a lot of history has got um, sidelined. A lot of history has been I still, uh, I still thought that most it wouldn't affect me at all, and a lot of history gets covered up, covered over, exaggerated, under undertold, and distorted. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all if it absolutely positively was CNN tomorrow that the Aurora incident never happened. There's duck. There's absolute hundred percent proof. Because I don't see how they could actually come up with 100% proof. But no, it wouldn't bother me at all. I don't think we talk about this as much as we should on the Paracast. And that is we have the famous Paracast community forums where we discuss the show and lots of other stuff. And we also post a thread where you can ask questions of guests. Check it out. Forum.theparacast.com. Forum.theparacast.com. We got more to come with Gene Randall and Carrie. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, I have to think, Carrie, I don't know whether your book will ultimately make it as a screenplay, whether somebody can do a story about it. I think it'd be fun, certainly. It has fun ingredients to it. I agree, even if it didn't happen, it'd be fun to do. And this takes us to a larger question about UFOs. Forgetting whether Aurora is real or a fake or whatever. You're still convinced that there are UFOs out there and that they're probably spaceships? Well, absolutely. I mean, the incident I witnessed in my childhood, there was seven to eight minutes between the time if it calls and the time we got there. So the parking lot was almost on fire. So, but you know, I mean, from the time it took us to get there, something had landed. Something had landed and taken off again. Uh, What else could it be but a UFO? I mean, really. And I don't know any sort of regular terrestrial craft that is going to cause a great big burn circle on the pavement that would actually land in a parking lot. This was 1974, so, I mean, you know, the technology then was not nothing like it is now. So I truly believe it was a UFO craft. Again, there was a reported landing of a UFO in the middle of the road in Danielsville, Georgia, where several people stopped their cars and saw it at the same time of the same year, within a month or two of this landing in commerce. So, uh, 
you know, I mean, I, 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 I 100% believe all of that happened. It's sort of almost reminiscent of the Cash Landrum thing where they uh, dug up part of the highway and replaced it because a uh, UFO had come over it and heated up uh, some witnesses' cars and, and the road. That happened in uh, yeah. 1980, if, you, if you're familiar with that at all. No, I hadn't heard of that. But again, somebody, somebody from higher up sent an asphalt crew in in the middle of the night and repaid this parking lot like three days after it happened. So you can't tell me that somebody with some power didn't come in there and say, okay, there's a big burnt circle with a whole bunch of metal drippings around it. Cover that up. Asphalt that parking lot. Redo whatever it takes to get rid of that. And it was. It was gone quickly. Yeah, is that just sheer coincidence or or did something else uh... Did someone or someone else get involved with that from outside the the parking lot administration? I wonder if anyone ever went in and asked, "Hey, did you guys plan on doing your parking lot, or did some strange guys and men in black come in and say, "By the way, we're giving you a complimentary parking lot repave, and uh, we just want to let you know it's going to happen tomorrow." Right, and why why on earth would anybody pave the parking lot in the middle of the night? I mean, this is a this is a small town. This is a little hick town between Atlanta, Georgia, and Greenville, South Carolina. Why would anybody in their right mind repay the parking lot in the middle of the night? It wouldn't have happened, especially back in that time. It wouldn't have happened. Somebody ordered that. Somebody paid an awful lot of money to have that done and done quickly. Yeah, that is pretty unusual. Hey, uh, apparently you're also into uh, antique cars. And um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do with that? Because we have a couple of uh, gearheads on the forum. And uh, one here, he's he's saying he's rebuilding a points-driven distributor for 1969 C3 L46. I'm I'm not sure I know what that is. I know what a points distributor is, but uh, do you... Work on things that go back before 1969, mainly, or what's your thing? Well, uh, I got into antique cars in 1980. My first car was a 1966 Mustang GT convertible. But I, uh, my true love is original antique cars from the 1930s. Not modified, not not flames, not chop tops, not fast and loud. I don't like none of that. I like original, classic, off the assembly line, original, restored antique cars. That's what I've done all my life. I bought, sold, and restored antique cars from uh, 1980 on up till like 2009 uh, until I got into other problems. But uh, yeah, I restored. Uh, I restored for show competition. Uh, 1948 Ford two-door sedan, uh, 1961 Starliner that won uh, high awards, and I restored a 1938 uh, Washington Blue Ford Deluxe Coupe that won best pre-World War II Ford in the nation in AACA in 2000. So I won like an Academy Award for the car there. You must have been pretty proud of that. 
I, I, I was. And, it, of course, it's gone now, but uh, I was very proud of it for a long time. Do you drive now, one? I'm, do you, oh, do you drive? I, I, dro- I drove these antique cars every day for decades. Uh, now I'm in western Pennsylvania. I moved here from Georgia last July, and I am shooting a television show called Wheels of the Path. It highlights antique cars such as John Dillinger's 1933 Hudson Essex Terraplane, uh, the original 1958 Plymouth Fury that was used in the making of John Carpenter's Christine, uh, the little Ampha car that was the, the floating car that could glide across the lake, made from 1961 to 68. Let me ask you about that one, and then we'll get back to our yeah. crazy subject. The Ampha car. Now, just understand, I was a kid from Brooklyn, New York, and I thought, what should my first car be? And I read reviews about this crazy car that could become a boat, the Ampha car. And as you say, in the 1960s. And what I read was it was not such a good boat and it was not such a good car. But it seemed like fun. So my friend and I talked about it for a while. It was years before I actually got my first car. Because in New York City, we had plenty of public transportation. But is that anything that could have been practical? Certainly we see things like that like in a James Bond movie or something. But... Am I right saying the original Amphicar was not the great thing in the world? Oh, no. Oh, no. They were not practical at all. We went to Port Clinton, Ohio um, last summer and shot an episode on the Amphicars because they had their convention over there where we actually went out on Lake on the big lake up in, uh, I guess, Lake Michigan or whatever it is, Lake, uh, the big lakes up there. And uh, the car almost sank with us. I had my producer and his son in the back seat. I'm in the front seat. The guy's driving the car. We almost sank. We, like, crash-landed on the little little island, uh, just like Gilligan's Island. It was It was horrible. But, uh, <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you something here, man. I certainly admire your courage. <laughs> and you think here, too, how many of these Ampha cars were sold? Because it sounds to me yeah, as well, if you can make a convention on anything. How about like a Studebaker Avanti? That was fun. Right, right. I can tell you how many were sold. They sold about 7,000 of them from 1961 to 68. Uh, there's a very few of them left. Uh, the followers uh, are are diehards. They get those cars out and they have these swim-ins. They call them swim-ins, uh, which is their, their, their kind of car show. And they go out in the middle of the lake and drive these things, and the waves come crashing over and fill the car up with water. And, oh, my God, it was, it was horrific. I, I, I was scared to death there. I thought it was all going to drown. But uh, that was one of our pilot episodes that we shot for the show. Well, you see, you almost lose the hosts. This would be a fabulous pilot episode because then they say, starting the second episode, we've got a new cast. Here's what happened. I think that's enough about Amphicars for this year. We've got... (laughs) All right, Carrie Trent Haggard, Jay Randall Murphy, all those three-name people. Gene Steinberg, no middle name. You're in the Paracast. 
Neighbors, we've made such a deal with HelloFresh, and it means that everyone listening to this show can receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code PARACAST30. You know, with HelloFresh, you can choose the delivery day that works best for you. They've got a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. And can you imagine me cooking Japanese panko chicken. It makes me feel like I'm a chef. It means also that you could actually get your meal cooked in 30 minutes. For busy people, this is perfect. The simple recipes include step-by-step instructions so even I can figure it out. Go to HelloFresh.com, use the offer code PARACAST30 to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. HelloFresh.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Get the ultimate knife at an ultimate price. The Fox Karambit Knife. Finally available in the U.S. The Fox Karambit Knife opens with one hand. Faster than you can pull a handgun. For utility, for defense, and for way less than other knives of this caliber. Go to TheUltimateKnife.com. Truly the best knife you will ever own. And only available at TheUltimateKnife.com. Use promo code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Get the ultimate knife at the ultimate price. At TheUltimateKnife.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. 
Healthcare reform is confusing, but whether it's finding an affordable insurance plan, keeping your doctor, or being able to afford needed prescriptions, navigating the healthcare system has become a challenge. Control your own healthcare costs and choices with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of each other's medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, where else with the Paracast would you hear about something called an amphicar, a car and a boat? but not such a good one of either. We also have After the Paracast, which is really good. After the Paracast is kind of an auxiliary show that's included only for people who subscribe to the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. Once again, that's plus.theparacast.com. We'll give you all the information you need, everything you were afraid to ask, but we'll answer those questions for you. Go to plus.theparacast.com. We give you the After the Paracast podcast, which is always unpredictable, sometimes special guests. We also offer a version of the show free of the network ads that they talk about all the time on YouTube. Why do you have commercials? Well, it's obvious it's from a regular commercial network. Prices start at just $1.49. Our price cheap. Plus.theparacast.com. And now we get back to UFOs. And we're talking here with the co-author of Traveler. Kerry Trent Haggard. It focuses on the Aurora, Texas episode. Was it really a UFO crash? Did it really involve an alien being? I mean, they even have this exhibit over there, the Aurora Cemetery, where they talk about this. It sounds to me, though, when you talk about these episodes, that these days, they'll use it as a tourist trap, kind of like they're doing with Roswell. Are you a fan of Roswell? Oh, I've, I've been to Roswell. I went to Roswell in 2000, and I enjoyed it. Roswell is the holy grail of UFO crashes in the United States. So it's, the, whole, the whole town is obsessed with it. Every, even the McDonald's has a UFO crashing into the roof of the building. You know, that Roswell's going to sensationalize on it. Aurora, Aurora has not ever sensationalized on it until just the last few years. And then now, and only now, they have a very small little display of a UFO. Um, and once a year, they have a little cemetery tour that attracts 30 or 40 people. It's not a big deal. They've never sensationalized on it. In the 70s, when the uh, UPI released the story and everybody went over there with picks and shovels to try to dig up the alien, they wanted everybody to go away. They didn't want to have anything to do with that. That was the Hayden Hughes episode, I think. That's when he got the national publicity and called everyone down there to dig up this body. Yes, and Aurora, at the time, all they wanted them to do was leave. Uh, They got an injunction to keep them from digging up their cemetery. They uh, had the local police out there at night guarding the place to try to keep it away, and that's when the that's when the metal got stole. But 
Aurora never did want to make a big pot of money off of it like Roswell had. It just part of the history. And so now, after 121 years, they're they're doing a little bit with it. They're getting a little recognition with it, but they still don't use it as a ploy to make a whole lot of money. So if you could make it into a movie, would you want it to be something like a major motion picture, or do you think it would be more suitable for something like a Netflix original, you know, or something along the lines of Cowboys and Aliens? I mean, how would you feel if they, say, took your script and really, you know, took, took a lot more artistic license with it and uh, sensationalized it like Cowboys and Aliens? Yeah, if I could make Traveler into a motion picture, that would be phenomenal. The sheriff in the 1897 sections, actually I based on Matthew McConaughey. The way he acts, the way he talks, uh, he would be the perfect person to play the sheriff in the, uh, the 1997 sections. Uh, I based the 1897 sheriff on Rod Taylor in the 1986 short-lived series called The Outlaws, a Sheriff Jonathan Grail. If I found somebody that wanted to make this into a movie, it would be a cute little movie. I mean, whether it's big budget, whether it's small budget, whatever, um, that was the whole intention of it to begin with. So hopefully I'll get to that point sooner or later. I mean, I am up here in Pittsburgh making a television show on antique cars, so so hopefully... Through my contacts, I will pick up somebody sooner or later that wants to do it. Any ideas for the pretty reporter? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Haley Steinfeld. She would be the perfect person to play it. Oh, I've already got a cast lined up. I've already got a screenplay written. I've already got storyboards put together. I'm ready. When When somebody's like, I'd like to discuss your novel for a motion picture, I'm ready to go. I have a whole presentation to make. I think we also understand here, and we're not criticizing it, you do know that when they buy the rights to a motion picture, unless you have the world's greatest agent and not even then, you have no idea how they'll treat it, how seriously they'll take it, how the concept will actually change in the course of making the film. They might take the loose concept and do something totally different. I mean, it's nice to have a pre-built cast, and perhaps you can find the right producer to work with you to do the project, but don't expect anything. I'll give you one example. I don't want to discourage you. The author of a very popular UFO book from around 1950 or so, he sold the book to Hollywood, and he thought, well, maybe they're going to make a documentary or anything. He really didn't keep touch with the producers, because if he did, Major Donald Kehoe would have realized They were making Earth versus the Flying Saucers, which had great special effects from the stop-motion animation specialist Ray Harryhausen. I thought it was a decent film with an abrupt ending, probably because they didn't have the budget for a real ending. But I think he was embarrassed over what they did. And maybe he should have checked a little bit more carefully. But you understand here, when you sell it to Hollywood, they're going to do whatever they want. Oh, yeah, I understand that. And, of course, I don't have to sell it to anybody. I have all the rights to it, and if they don't want to treat it the way I want to treat it, then it'll never get made. Well, at least I think that's, you know, at least 
showing that you have principles there about how it gets treated. So that's encouraging. All right. That'd be like that'd be like somebody wanting to buy my wheels of the past television show and do episodes on nothing but hot rods. I wouldn't, you know, that's that's not that's uh, that's totally against what I'm for with the whole project. So uh, why would I why would I concede to something like that? Well, I'm no expert on hot rods, vintage cars. Actually, I'd like to get a restored Mazda RX2 four-door with a Venkel engine. In any case, we'll continue our discussion about Traveler and focus more on the reporter looking into the case. Gets knee-deep into what's going on, and we'll cover that. Of course, you want to get the book, which is what he wants you to do, and learn more about it. So the book, again, is called Traveler, and it covers the incident in 1897, involving a possible spaceship and a space being, Carrie Trent Haggard. With Gene and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. USA Radio News. President Trump said yesterday he wants to lower the corporate tax rate even more from 21% down to about 20%. President Trump's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, joined Fox Business and said the United States is really in a position of strength and not China. China's economy is not doing well. They are slowing down by many, many measures. You know, half of that economy is state-run enterprises that are losing money daily. Half of that economy is being financed by state-run banks who are issuing a tr- couple of trillion dollars of non-performing loans. That's a business and economic model which is not durable. So I believe China is operating from a greater position of weakness than folks think, and we are operating from a greater position of economic strength. Marches took place across the United States today to protest the Trump administration's immigration policies. This is USA Radio News.
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-204-2650 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-204-2650. Again, 800-204-2650. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, we're doing the syllable jumping there again, everybody. As we continue with this episode, the Paracast about the traveler. So let's focus more now on where we have the fictional part and the reporter. What goes on there? What does she do to prove whether this was true or not? Well, she goes, uh, her and her photographer, they go over to Aurora and they start digging around for facts. They start asking some of the ancients over there what they know about it. And and, uh, she gets put off. And sooner or later, she gets tied up with two cousins that discover they have uh, a fragment of the ship stolen by their great-grandfather back the day the incident happened. Uh, the game warden gets involved. The local sheriff gets involved. They've been, they know all about it. They've been trying to keep it quiet for decades. And there's an old 94-year-old man that uh, actually had been sort of safeguarding the alien's grave site since he was a little boy. And so all this, in the end, they all come together as a group to try to uh, keep the extraterrestrial from falling into harmful hands. And that's sort of the premise of the book. It's, it's very entertaining. It's very enlightening. And it pays homage to the actual 1897 crash, but with a twist that's entertaining and uh, uh, would make a great movie some of these days. 
There's some illustrations in it as well. Um, were any of these original or were these ones that you picked up from already done by someone else? Oh, I, uh, I was very fortunate. We had went down to Kentucky to shoot an episode on our television show for uh, Christine, the 1958 Plymouth Fury that was used in Christine. Uh, a good friend of mine in Florida had it on display down in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. While we were there at the little Night Risers con, I ran into an illustrator named Eric Yates, and I asked him, I said, I'm, I'm writing a book. I said, it's almost done. I said, and I need some illustrations. Would you be interested in doing it? And he said, yeah. So I sent him uh, different chapters of the book and told him sort of kind of what I wanted, and he made some fabulous illustrations. One of my favorites is the uh, the crumpled spaceship is being dragged through town with all the spectators looking by two horses and two mules and a horse-drawn cart uh, drug through the streets of Aurora. And uh, that just symbolizes the entire event of how it would unfold back then. The, he did illustrations of the alien displayed on the boardwalk in a homemade coffin beside the local doctor and two prostitutes and the town sheriff. I mean, that. He, he, he sort of brought the story to life in illustration. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, motorcycle guys in here, too. Uh, bikers. Oh, yeah. The hero at the end of the story is, a, is actually a motorcycle guy, which is based on the character of my co-author. It was very interesting how we came up with the ending for the book, but uh, it, it actually worked out really well. That's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's always fun to get a book that's got a few pictures in it as well. This would actually uh, make a really interesting graphic novel uh, as well. I mean, if it wasn't just a plain novel, but uh, that would be kind of cool too. I mean, you could go oh, a yeah. number of different directions with it, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I never thought about the graphic novel part of it, but uh, if anybody out there was interested in something like that, I'd be more than glad to talk to them. So going back to the UFO landing in the uh, parking lot, were you able to talk to anyone else who actually saw the craft itself that had been there? Or was there no, a story it, about it in the paper or anything? Yes. It was reported in the local newspaper for like two weeks in a row. And of course, the newspaper came out there once a week. Uh, and, and of course I was a little kid at the time. I was nine years old, so I, I, I didn't get to talk to anybody else, but I was there. I was actually there when all that took place that very evening, that very night. So I saw it and, uh, it was quite a fascinating thing to witness. Uh, my mom is like 85 years old now and she would she wouldn't tell a lie to save her soul, but she will, if you ask her when the alien spaceship landed at the parking lot of the hospital, she'll say, oh, yeah, I was there. I remember that very clearly. She remembers it, too. So uh, it was something that uh, I didn't read about. I, it was something that I saw with my own two eyes. So I believe it. You never actually saw the craft, but you saw the smoking pavement is what you're saying, and that it was reported in the local paper. I wonder if they'd be able to go back into their archives or if anyone could and find that original article. You know, I, I contacted the, uh, the local library that has all the archives for the newspaper. 
when I was writing my book, and I tried to get them to go back through and find that article where I could put that in a little segment of the book, and I couldn't get them to work with me. Of course, I'm up in Pennsylvania now, so it's not like I could just freeze in the library and do that. But yes, it was reported in the local newspaper at the time, uh, the the uh, Atlanta Television News, uh, had, uh, three reporters from the from uh, one of the stations, I think it was ABC, had witnessed a uh, flying saucer and captured video of it at the time. So there was a hotbed of UFO activity going on at that time. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, it's funny how these cases pop up that we ufologists haven't really heard of. I imagine around the countryside, there's probably more of them as well. I mean, you'd think that with video and newspaper reporting and a landing that we would have heard more about this in the literature. So that's pretty interesting that you can bring this up for us. Well, and too, that was back way before the internet. So things, news didn't travel like it does today and video did, you know, didn't get around like it does, but it, it was, it was quite popular at the time. In 1974 was, Sort of like uh, 1896, 1897, it was a hotbed of time for UFO occurrences, not just in Georgia, but all throughout the country. Oh, yeah. The mid-70s was definitely uh, an active time. That's when I saw mine was mid-70s. So, you know, I'm a fellow believer in the UFO phenomena. I think we're definitely being visited by aliens or at least alien craft. I'm not sure about the whole abduction thing. What do you think of that? I've never got into that. I've never experienced that. Uh, don't want to. I don't know whether all that, you know, I mean, a lot of these people pour their heart and soul out to say that they've been abducted and maybe they have, maybe they hadn't. I don't know. I'm not going to judge because I don't know anything about that. I haven't done any research on it and I'm just not educated with it. Have you been following any of the story with the uh, USS Nimitz carrier group pilot intercept uh, story that has come out? I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, a lot of people ask me about all these events, and I just sort of focused on the one thing I was interested in. Did a little research on the UFOs between the Civil War and, and the 1900 and, and wrote my novel. But no, so what, what, what's the story there? Oh, that's um, happened in 2004. The USS Nimitz and its carrier group were off the coast of California doing a training exercise, and their radar operators picked up what they're calling a Tic Tac UFO. And they had some F-18s that were aloft at the time and vectored them in toward it. And they had pilots from, actually, from what I can tell so far, four aircraft altogether, two at first, and then another flight went out again after that and got video on their uh, forward-looking infrared radar. And the pilot, David Fravor, has done a number of interviews that you can download on the YouTube if you want to. And he seems very credible, and he saw it with his own eyes. Let's do our break, guys, and we'll be back with more with... Carrie and Randall and Jean, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Now there's a proven powerful anti-inflammatory that absorbs 40 times better. Yes, Nanocurcumin Plus from One Planet Nutrition contains smaller particle size that allows absorption over 40 times better into your bloodstream. Nanocurcumin Plus may also help reduce pain and inflammation, detoxify, and help against heart disease and diabetes. Nanocurcumin Plus is now on sale at OnePlanetNutrition.com. Use promo code GCN for your special discount at OnePlanetNutrition.com, the next generation of nutritional supplementation. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Homemakers, groceries by mail ships free. Try our amazing bacon. It stores in your pantry. No refrigeration required. Our value-added packaging provides a 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Always priced less than grocery for your everyday use. Savory and delicious. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. 
At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We continue discussing not just Aurora and its implications, but other things. I'm not going to ask you, though, for the spoiler, Carrie, at the end of the book, where it all comes together. I'll let you hopefully get something when it comes to getting that book made into a movie. By the way, I'm looking here at the picture here. Page 251, I asked you about this before. A photo of someone who looks like Bella Lugosi. What's that about? That is Bella Lugosi. That's Bella Lugosi is Murder Legionnaire from White Zombie, 1932. And the reason that's there is uh, the biker, Toons, he rides in to save the day and he he's, he's he's got to rescue this little alien that's been uh, that's a, that's a hundred years old. They got to get him out of town, so they want to put him on the back of the bike. But they 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 need to put him in sort of a costume. So he asks the little boy. He says, "Do you have a black T-shirt I can borrow?" And he says, "Yeah." And he runs and gets one. He comes back, and it's that image of Bela Lugosi on a black T-shirt from White Zombie. And he says, "That'll do just fine." So they decorate the little alien up and they ride him out of town on the back of one of their motor bikes right in front of the FBI. It's uh, quite a uh, unique ending. It's an unusual ending, but it's very fitting. My co-author was a big biker for decades and he came up with the ending. When he first approached me with it, I just shook it off. And then I thought about it for a couple of days and I said, you know what? That's the perfect ending. So, but yeah, that is Lugosi. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lugosi and Dracula and all his work that he did. And uh, he was the unsung hero of universal horror in the 1930s. And he has my deepest admiration. Well, I used to know the late Forrest J. Ackerman before he was late. And he used to wear a ring, the Dracula ring that he got from Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Before he died. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And of course, he had edited famous monsters of film land. So much about the horror films. I'm just find it interesting that you incorporated it in this book. So that's kind of fascinating, kind of a what? relic there. Go ahead. There's lots of references to the universal horror classics in the book. Uh, I, I, I was a huge fan of those, or I have been all my life. And uh, so I incorporated a little bit of that into the book. And, yeah, I, I know all about Forrest J. Ackerman and his uh, huge collection of memorabilia that he had. He was fun to talk to. I met him a few times and probably was responsible for helping to persuade a lot of very young people to become interested in horror films, novels, and also science fiction. Hey, looking at the, some of the illustrations here, I just ran across another one that's pretty cool. Looks like uh, about a 1972 Oldsmobile 442. 
roughly, which I happen to actually have one of those in my garage I'm working on. Yeah, I'm having a problem with the electronic ignition on it, though. They put one of those MSD ignitions on it, and I think the thing is fried. And I'm just, you know, I have to get in there and study it because I'm not really much of a uh, nuts and bolts person. I can figure it out when I have to, but uh, maybe put it back to its old distributor, electronic ignition, or what What do you think I should do with it? I incorporate a lot of antique cars in the novel. Uh, the the cousins that uh, caused a lot of trouble, they got a 39 Ford. Just continue. So, yeah, I incorporate a lot of uh, antique cars in the novel because that's what I'm in. I, I'm in the antique car business, and I love to talk about them. The cousins that uh, caused so much trouble in the novel, they have a 1939 Ford Coupe in their barn, and they drive a old 50, let's see, 50-something uh, a 47 Dodge pickup. Uh, the Clifton, the old man, he drives a 1973 Ford Explorer pickup. The uh, photographer that takes the reporter around all this, he drives, like you said, an old uh, 70 Olds 442. So, yeah, I, I incorporated quite a few antique cars into the novel. I thought it'd make it cute. You know what I really love about the older cars is that they weren't all with the bucket seats. You know, once upon a time, these cars were like driving a plush couch that you could just sink right into. You could have your girlfriend up next to you. And, uh, you know, it, it was just deluxe. Now you can get into some of these newer vehicles. Yeah, they're pretty sharp techno-wise, but you're, you've got this gigantic console in the middles, you know, stuck between you and the driver. And I don't know. There's just something cool about the old sort of 60s, 70s cars and some of the luxury cars back then that really, it was more like, like I say, like driving your couch. Oh, yeah. And especially when you get back into the 1930s. I love the 30s vehicles and I love the 50s vehicles. Uh, they're, they're just timeless. There's so uh, much. My first. There's so much headroom in them. You know, you're, it doesn't feel like you're sitting so much inside of a car but like a little room almost you know right the what really got me hooked on antique cars was a friend of mine had a 1939 ford standard coupe that uh was he his his father had gave it to him as a graduation present from high school in 1978 it came out of a museum and uh when i rode in that for the first time i was just captivated it was like riding in a time machine and ever since then, I've been just fascinated with antique cars and uh, them for the beauty of them, the way they were made originally, not modified, not chopped up, but the way they came off the assembly line. And uh, so that's that's what drove me for for many decades to restore old cars, and uh, which is in the business I'm still in today. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I remember my dad, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what year this would have been, but it would have been, oh, early 50s, I think. He had one of those old woody paneled station wagons, you know, with actual wood that they stuck on the oh, outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You just don't see that anymore. Was it a Plymouth? Was it a Ford? What was it? I think it was a, I think it was, yeah, Plymouth. Yeah, Plymouth did a lot of that in like 1949, 1950, 51. Ford did a lot of that in 49, 50, 51. 
Chevrolet, not so much, but Plymouth and Ford were big for that wood grain on the side. Now, one thing I remember from the older cars is the fact that the regular sedan, a fairly large one, was a six-seater because of the front seats which were bench seats rather than bucket seats. Bucket seats were then the province of only those special sporty type vehicles. Not to say that I didn't have bucket seats in any of the cars I owned. I did. I remember one or two that had, as I said, traditional bench seats. The other thing about the bench seats is they didn't hold you in place so well if you're trying to do some cornering. But for normal driving, I guess it was more comfortable that way. I remember traveling around the country with my old friend Jim Mosley, and he had this big old Pontiac that he got every two years with all sorts of high mileage on it. Anyway, that's enough for cars. This is not the car show, ladies and gentlemen. Take it back. This is not the car show, ladies and gentlemen. That was the one on PBS where they had two brothers, and they talked about cars and they answered your questions. We're not doing that. All right. (laughs) okay we're not doing that i'm going to spank randall just a minute all right well it was in the book what can i say right well okay so there was some local color in the book and that's fascinating but we really want to know whether there's really a body out there now i was thinking here maybe what could be done would be to do what hayden hughes tried to do back in the 1970s which is to go back there and They'd have to get permission from the local cemetery or something. Make a concerted effort once and for all forever to prove whether or not something weird did land in Aurora, Texas. Is that even possible to do? Well, you know, I bet if you went out there and offered them a million dollars, they'd probably work with you. But anything less than that, they're not going to. They're going to want to. They're afraid you're going to dig up somebody's grandma, which I don't agree with at all. I think it would take a tremendous amount of money in a town that's no bigger than a shoebox to get them to cooperate with you at all as far as exhuming that body. I mean, you're going to have to offer them a tremendous amount of of, uh, compensation to to do that. And nobody's ever offered to do that before. So uh, uh, beyond that, no, they're never going to let you go out there and start digging up their cemetery. I suppose in large part you're probably correct. It wouldn't be very likely that anybody, unless they're well-heeled, would want to buy up that property and do with it as they will and make arrangements for those who have bodies buried in that cemetery. And again, Steven Spielberg buys your film and wants to spend a couple of million. You know, maybe it'll work. Got more to come with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have 
stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we continue here. More fun, more excitement on the Paracast talking about the possibilities of Aurora, Texas. And I know it's a very polarized discussion. Some people think, okay, it was just a hoax. Nothing possibly real about it. Others think, you know what, maybe there was something to it after all. I don't know. Fascinating, isn't it? We'll continue with that. Getting back to our discussion, Carrie, about UFOs in general, you believe they're extraterrestrial. Do you think the government has top-secret knowledge about it and that things should be disclosed? Oh, I, uh, I, I truly believe that out of the Roswell crash, the government got technology from the wreckage that led to uh, fiber optics, led to Kevlar, led to night vision, led to hundreds of discoveries that were re, uh, reinvented from the wreckage of the Roswell crash. Uh, that's another reason that they're so interested in getting to these sites and getting these getting these these crashed. UFOs because uh, the technology is so much more intense and they want to use it for their own benefit. You know, there was actually a, a UFO crash not so long ago down in Mexico and uh, the Mexican government was going out and retrieved the UFO and the UFO, I don't know if you ever heard of this. I, I read about it here not too long ago. I thought it was fascinating but I absolutely probably believe it's true. The, so the U.S. the U.S call the Mexican government said, no, 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 we're coming to get it. And the Mexican government said, no, we've got this handled. Well, the U.S. went anyway. Well, mysteriously enough, all the, uh, the Mexican government went out there, found the craft, loaded it up on a truck, and were bringing it back to wherever. Well, the U.S. dropped in on them and discovered all the Mexican soldiers dead and the craft gone. So, you know, what really happened was the United States government went in there, they slaughtered all those Mexicans, and they took the craft because they wanted it. 
And our U.S. government is ruthless enough to do that kind of thing. I know. I've been involved with them before. They're ruthless, and they don't care how many lives they destroy as long as they get what they want. So, yeah, knowledge is power, and the power from what they gain from those crashed alien ships is worth billions of dollars, and uh, they're not going to let that go. Is that the Chihuahua UFO crash you're talking about? Mexico's Roswell? Back in 1974? Uh, No, this was later. This was in the 2000s. This was just a few years ago. Yeah, when it all kind of hush-hush, but I read an article on it not too long ago, and I thought, yep, they they killed all them Mexicans, and they stole it. U.S. does. I want to go back here about your feeling about alien technology kind of mirrors what was said in the book Day After Roswell by Philip Corso and Bill Burns. And that is here, if you look at the history of night vision goggles, that goes back to Germany in the 1930s. So I don't know how possibly would have anything to do with a UFO that crashed at Roswell. The second thing that concerns me here is that even if we recovered a spaceship, something that possibly can travel here from another star system, I think that we would have one heck of a problem decoding its technology and coming up with stuff that is just barely an extension of what we have here. There are histories of all this technology. There are histories of all this technology that you can look up that point out that our scientists and engineers develop these things. So how can we say it's reverse-engineered alien technology, I wonder? Well, you know, Roswell wasn't the first crash. There have been crashes uh, all throughout history. Uh, The art of levitation that built a lot of these huge monuments around the country, including uh, Chichen Itzu down in Mexico and the pyramids, is a lost art from the aliens that we don't even know how to do anymore because they, they levitated these, uh, they made weightless these uh, tons, you know, hundreds and thousands of tons stone pieces to put them into place. There's no way, even with today's technology, there's no way we could have put those into place. So, uh, you know, Roswell wasn't the first crash to where they harvested uh, information. In 1941, there was another crash that they harvested information from, and even some in the 30s. So uh, uh, Roswell just happened to be a hotbed of information from what they recovered. Well, okay, so you believe there was a UFO crash at Aztec, New Mexico in 1948? Uh, Possibly. Uh, uh, there, There was another one in the U.S., I think in Missouri, in 1941, where they got a lot of technology from. Uh, it was actually rumored that uh, part of the uh, 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 the World War II bomb that they made to uh, stop the war came from that, you know, uh, that crash. I, I forget the name of it. I don't have all my research in front of me, but uh, um, it, it, Truman um, got a lot of the... Uh, info from that how do you know that that's nothing that's ever been confirmed no it's not confirmed but i've just read articles and i've read documentaries and i've i've, I've read uh people's theories on it 
so you know, you, everybody believes what they want to believe. I, I just when the facts line up, I just take them at face value. Right, but you know, there are lots of stories and rumors online. And I'll tell you, I've read a few about me. One saying my wife doesn't exist. Another saying my dog doesn't exist. And of course, as far as the dog is concerned, you've heard him. So you know he exists. Or at least something is barking. Maybe it's me and my secret identity. I bark like a dog. I'm a ventriloquist who barks like a dog and talks at the same time. Now, that may be part of it right there. But what I'm saying here is one thing we've learned in the UFO field, and certainly Randall's been around quite a few years himself, is not to attempt to accept everything that's out there. And because you read it from somewhere, doesn't mean it's true. In fact, Kevin Randall, one of the people who has been analyzing the Roswell case, he's been doing it for 30 years. And he came out with a book called Roswell in the 21st Century. And he finds out that a lot of the early stories about Roswell don't stand up to scrutiny. And part of the problem is, of course, you're talking about something that happened in 1947. Except for maybe a mention or two in a book. I think Frank Edwards mentioned it in one of his books in the 60s. It wasn't rediscovered until the late 1970s. As a result of which, the memories of people as to what happened was probably not very good. And they got all sorts of stories. And, of course, they did their level best to authenticate those stories, such as whether or not bodies were recovered at Roswell. Ends up here that it's very possible that all those stories of Roswell and the bodies don't hold up. Doesn't mean that nothing happened at Roswell. But Kevin Randall, who has been doing something called Chasing Footnotes in recent years, where he goes back and he attempts to look at the story and see if they hold up, he found that a lot of the things that we assumed about Roswell weren't true. Not that something didn't happen there. But some of the people that may have been accepted as authentic early on were the kind of people who told stories. And the stories got better and better over the years, as they do. And therefore, maybe what we hear about Roswell wasn't quite what you think it is. And this may or may not be true about some of these other reports of UFO crashes. In any case, we're having a really good time here talking about antique cars, antique UFO cases with Kerry Trent Haggard. And the book is called Traveler from Flying Disc Press. That, of course, is one, the only Philip Mantle is the publisher. More to come with Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. We are GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. We've got listeners, lots of them. Around the world, around the clock, our listeners do what listeners do. They listen. And you know what listeners got? Needs. Needs for your products, your services, and money to buy those needs. With our network of over 1,000 radio stations, streaming on the web, and our satellite transmissions, we're reaching our listeners with quality conservative programming. But there's something our listeners don't have. Your offer to meet their needs. Any business needs buyers. But if our listeners don't hear your message, they're still going to buy what they need. Just not from your business. So let's fix this. Tell us about your business. Then let our super creative department go to work to craft just the right message for our GCN listeners. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. Uh, January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Uh, then my real health began going downhill. I had high blood pressure, diabetes, poor vision. I wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking heart and body extract from within a few days. I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes normalized. My sleep improved. Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Heart and body extract comes with a 100% ironclad money back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We continue, folks. More excitement. So you got my lecture or rant, Carrie, about 
Roswell. Have you ever had a chance to look at the latest book that Kevin did on that? Well, you know, everybody loves to gossip. Stories get uh, exaggerated. They get fragments of them get forgotten. So uh, the stories get distorted. The, the truth of the matter is uh, it happened a long time ago, and nobody's absolutely sure what happened where. But there is some truth to it. Uh, whether it's Aurora, whether it's Roswell, uh, I believe the events did happen in some form. But um, uh, as to the exact form, we may never know exactly what the truth is. Well, to be fair, too, I mean, this was a case that, that just grabbed your interest. You were never a ufologist before that. You had some interest in UFOs, but you didn't really study the subject, from what I can tell. Um like the rest of us, like, I don't think you'd call yourself a ufologist. So, you know, a lot of what you're saying, a lot of other people also tend to believe because it's just part of what's out there in ufology dogma. And unless you really get into studying it, like Gene and myself and other people who have taken the time to dig into the facts and try to separate the signal from the noise, I mean, we hear the same things and they hear the same things. And so, what I'm thinking is that the book just represents a really interesting sort of story. It's a, it's docufiction. It's made for entertainment and it's based on some, some local urban legends, which do exist. The legend certainly exists. I don't think that we can deny that. And there's some interesting uh, circumstantial bits around it. So sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's all part of our history, you know. Uh, history, history is what it is. Uh, it it, it, is, uh, it gets reported, it gets exaggerated, it gets downplayed, it gets covered up. Um, but we just believe what we want to believe of it, and believe what we uh, what we're told. Well, you're not claiming that it's that it that this is history in an academic sense. This is a story uh, from a town that you're familiar with, that you were uh, caught up in the folklore of, and created a docu-fiction, a novel about it. So, you know, at, at least you're not like Gene mentioned Corso, and if you're not really familiar with that, he actually made certain claims that he believed are absolutely true in the book that I think have actually misled a lot of people in terms of some of the things that you were talking about too and you know i think that maybe if you if you're interested in that you should maybe dig a little bit deeper into some of that because a lot of them are just simply they don't stand up under investigation at all right no i i I, i'm i've done about all i'm interested in doing (laughs) as far as the ufo field I do uh, enjoy what I'm doing now. I am going to the big MUFON conference uh, later in July, just in, in about a month from now. And I've got a book signing there uh, in uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So I'm looking very forward to that. Well, that truly looks like fun. I have never been to a MUFON convention. I've gone to UFO conventions and I even ran my own years ago in the 70s, and I think I'm kind of conventioned out. 
So you think this is your it for your participation in the UFO field or what? Well, until I, until somebody comes along that somebody comes along that's interested in making my novel into a a, a mo- motion picture or uh, at the very least a uh, made for television event. Uh, yeah, this is about my participation in the UFO field. I'm uh, I'm I'm doing some book signings. I'm doing one in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, next month that I'm looking very forward to. Uh, I've got another one in Pittsburgh in October. I've got another one in Philadelphia in October. Mufon conferences and uh, maybe a few uh, scheduled speaking events for next year. Maybe the Mufon cruise that they're doing next year. They've asked me to be a speaker, so. I'm looking forward to stuff like that, but that's about my speed. I'm trying to do this. Uh, we, we, we just bought a, a four-acre facility in Butler, Pennsylvania, so we're putting together our antique car restoration center and home base for our television shows. So I'm going to be covered up with that. So, uh, But, you know, I, I, I definitely want to put as much attention to the book as I can. I want to make it good and I'd love to make it into a movie sooner or later. Well, there's probably been worse UFO movies out there, I'm sure. So, Then again, there are some pretty good science fiction movies. I think one of the best from the early 50s was 1951, The Day the Earth Stood Still, a classic film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like the first attempt to make an aurora into a movie, which was just a total disaster, in my opinion. I like your choice of characters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you oh, could get who, who Matthew McConaughey, uh, and the uh, reporter. The, oh yeah! The, oh, they, they they'd be they'd be great. I actually sent a uh, a little uh, presentation packet to Matthew McConaughey's uh, 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 publicist and said that the the role of the sheriff was actually wrote around his character. Of course, I never heard anything back, but you never know. He's a better actor than some people give him credit for. I saw him in uh, a fairly serious movie, actually, not too long ago. Unfortunately, I don't recall the name of it, but he's uh, he's a pretty good actor. And I think you're right. Yeah, he'd make a good sheriff. Of course, the thing to remember is that Matthew McConaughey also won an Oscar. He has that kind of atmosphere like the country sheriff or something like that i think he's well, perfect that's it. For it. The, the aurora aurora would be the old-time country sheriff so he would he would play that part just perfectly that's that's sort of kind of why i um spearheaded him as the as the role model for that character so yeah but i'm uh, i'm very proud of the novel and i hope that it does well and i hope that i get it made into a motion picture one of these days well, we wish you good luck. I also hope that you get a producing participation in there because that way you'll have some control over the way the project turns out. As you know, as I said before, we have to watch out for Hollywood. They do all sorts of things. We all know about Hollywood money. That's where a project is making lots and lots of money, but somehow the people who are promised money on the back end never, ever get to see it. We don't want to see that. So always get a good lawyer. Find yourself a good entertainment lawyer. Because I've been occasionally trying to sell a project to Hollywood, but I have a good lawyer who takes a percentage 
That's the way to do it. On the other hand, it doesn't guarantee that the project will ever get sold, but we're still trying. You never know. we got more to come with Carrie, Jean, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. They turned out in New York City. And in the nation's capital. And they were in the streets of Knoxville, Tennessee, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and over 600 other cities, big and small. Angry at the president's policies, which have separated kids from their immigrant parents. As the Saturday rallies were happening, Republican Congressman Bob Goodlatte spoke of last week's failures of two immigration bills in the House and the plans to keep on trying. The fact of the matter is, those two bills got, between the two of them, 223 Republican votes. A majority of the entire House of Representatives, they just weren't on one bill. So we're going to continue to work to get them on one bill. This is USA Radio News. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-561-5716. That's 800-561-5716. Again, 800-561-5716. 
Hey everyone, ProactiveMD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. ProactiveMD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece ProactiveMD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to ProActive.com and enter promo code radio. You heard right. Proactive MD plus free shipping and a free gift. The new charcoal pore cleansing brush. You'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee. You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back. Call now. 1-800-583-8662. That's 1-800-583-8662. Or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Again, go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio. Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So now that you have this project that you've been shepherding for so many years, and hopefully it will go beyond the book into something more, do you at all have any other projects other than the cars, of course? No, my biggest project is uh, the Wheels of the Past television show. I've got about 40 episodes written. We're going, we're going out to Wisconsin and film at Little Bohemia where John Dillinger shot up the place. We're going down to uh, Albuquerque and film at the uh, National Nuclear Science Museum where they have a 41-packard clipper limousine that was used to take the scientists from Los Alamos back and forth to Trinity Base. And the detonator for the first atomic bomb actually rode in the seat of the car with them. So we're, we're, we have a lot of interesting episodes. Uh, John Wayne last car, Babe Ruth, last car, uh, Camaro number 0001. Well, that sounds like fun. I never got super, super heavy into old cars. So there you go. Right. Uh, I want to ask another thing about your interest. You're obviously interested in the old horror films. Do you get much right. interest in sci-fi or strictly the horror films? Oh, I, I, I love all the old sci-fi movies. One of my favorites is the uh, uh, Howard Hawks thing from Another World, 1951. I make reference to that in the novel. Uh, now, my, my, my true passion is the Universal Horror Classics from 1931 to 1948, the Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Mummy, Invisible Man series. I love the old sci-fi stuff. I, I, uh, I'm very familiar with uh, It Came From Another World. And uh, what was the one you mentioned? Uh, the one, the one you mentioned that somebody made from a movie and from a book into a movie, and it didn't turn out like you wanted. Uh, Earth versus the saucers. Huh? Earth versus the saucers. Mm-hmm. Yes, Earth versus the flying yeah, saucers. Earth, Earth, that was the one Earth, that was based on, loosely saucers. based on Major Kehoe's book. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen that, and it's it's. It's enjoyable. It's a little far-fetched, but it's enjoyable. So, yeah, I, I loved all that stuff, too. I love the horror and the sci-fi, which is one of the reasons I wrote my novel. I've always wanted to be a part of that kind of thing, so I put it together. Just another little tidbit back to uh, the connection between cars and UFOs is that back in 1977, I had a, a near collision with an MIB mobile. Now, um, I'm not sure if you know what MIB are. 
you know, there's a movie with Tommy Lee Jones and so on. But uh, the MIB were you know, traveling threes. They typically drove late model cars as they had an affinity for Cadillacs. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, which Cadillac I'd seen. So I went looking through all the pictures I could find, and and they all have certain features on them that identify them as being a certain kind of car from a particular year. And it turned out that the one I saw, I had no idea before. So that's it. You know, I looked at it and that that's the taillights. That's what it looked like. 1959 special edition Eldorado Brougham. Okay. There was only 99 of those ever made. Mm-hmm. They, co- they cost about $13,000 in the day. So do you ever get a chance to work on anything like that? Any of the old, you know, big Luxo 50s cars with the big fins? I mean, of course, Christine. I mean, there's one, but. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I built a 61 Starliner, 61 Ford Starliner, and it had fins. I worked on a couple of the old fin cars. I, I really enjoy them. Uh, a friend of mine had a little museum down in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. And he had several of the Finn Cadillacs. Uh, they were great cars. They 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 came and went pretty quickly. Uh, Finn started in 1957, and by '61 they were gone. But uh, it was a great time in automotive history for sure. Yeah, they were kind of like a sort of a a salute to the aircraft and the jet age, and they, they were trying to make cars seem like spaceships and jets in their own kind of way. By putting these fins and these these uh, t- lights on the back, and they they look like rocket engines and stuff. It was well, that's, pretty that's where, that's pretty where, cool. That's where all yeah, that's where all that came from. All the fin cars came from the space age, jet age fascination with uh, jet planes and rockets and all this. They wanted to make the cars look like rockets, and that's the whole reason the fins came into play. And uh, then, of course, some years later, I mean, I remember a Volkswagen commercial. You might even remember this, Gene. They, it was reverse engineered from UFOs, and it had the bug. And, of course, the the thing is like a perfect half circle if you start looking at the way the drawings of it work. So there is this connection between space and UFOs and automobiles that is actually quite interesting. Maybe you should sort of see if you can fit that into your show now and then, you know, just as a little aside somewhere that could be kind of fun oh yeah well uh that's what we're trying to do we're trying to get this all put together we've we've bought a facility to make our home base and hopefully we'll uh in a year from now we'll be up and running in a good way well that's encouraging and promising good to hear that why to ask you something else in a minute but in the meantime i want to remind our listeners that we have the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. What is it? Well, it's an alternate version of this radio show without the network ads. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast. We've added videos and other content. There'll be more improvements because we're working to do some new things since our previous co-host, Chris O'Brien, went on to other pastures. I hope they are greener. And therefore, we are hoping, of course, to add a lot of other features and we welcome your suggestions if you're currently a subscriber to the Paracast Plus and you'd like to see a specific guest there exclusive interviews new things we're 
Happy to hear you. Plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. So, one more, ask you one more question, Carrie, before we go on to our next segment. Back to the UFO world again. And that is, do you think there will ever come a time when E.T. will just land in public, not somewhere in some unknown town in Texas, but land and tell us who and what they are? Well, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, perhaps. Nowadays, it's not so far-fetched. Most countries around the world are releasing all their UFO files and and uh, not not making a big deal of it anymore because, I mean, it's been talked about for so long. Most people have accepted it as commonplace anyway. Um, whether they actually uh, are that interested in coming back and and making a big appearance or not uh, remains to be seen. I don't know. What would you think it was found out that there was no UFO mystery at all? It was all, well, either misidentified conventional objects or possibly, or just possibly, secret weapons of some sort from time to time. And it's another subject, but there were certainly reports that a lot of the early UFOs may have been secret weapons of one sort or another. Yeah, um, I, I'm secret weapons. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of the secret weapons that have come along have came from UFO technology. Um, I don't know whether they're. Yeah, but how would they? The how would they come from UFO technology again? Because they're secret weapons doesn't mean that we got that technology from extraterrestrials. You have to credit our own scientists. Surely our own scientists are smart enough to come up with new things every so often. Why do we have to depend on ET? Right. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, some reverse engineering has led to discoveries, but our scientists are brilliant. They've come up to look at Tesla and uh, some of the work that he did. Absolutely. We're having one more segment with our guest, the author of, co-author of Traveler. That's, of course, Carrie Trent Haggard with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack, focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Now there's a proven powerful anti-inflammatory that absorbs 40 times better. Yes, Nanocurcumin Plus from One Planet Nutrition contains smaller particle size that allows absorption over 40 times better into your bloodstream. Nanocurcumin Plus may also help reduce pain and inflammation, detoxify, and help against heart disease and diabetes. Nanocurcumin Plus is now on sale at OnePlanetNutrition.com. Use promo code GCN for your special discount at OnePlanetNutrition.com, the next generation of nutritional supplementation. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long-distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. Our homegrown small business tries to help people just like us. That's why we design and test our handmade products with great care before we introduce them to the public. You can easily find Sunny Bay heating pads on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Sunny Bay heating pads. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Federal Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. This is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, not everybody has a happy life, and sometimes they get involved in ventures that maybe they didn't expect to happen the way they did. And some of you know, if you've looked online, because everything's online, that Kerry Trent Haggard got himself into a legal issue, and he, you made Forbes magazine, and you became famous for this? What are we talking about? Well, my passion for the universal horror classics led me up a dark path a lifetime ago. 
I got involved with a uh, outfit in California who made uh, museum quality forgeries of movie posters. And when everything went to hell, uh, I got charged and labeled the mastermind of the greatest movie poster scandal in American history. Forbes magazine did an article. I was in the New York Times. I was in the L.A. Tribune. I was in the Dallas Morning News. But I had a very comfortable life at that time, and I lost everything. I lost my houses. I lost my cars. I lost everything because of that. So if anybody's ever paid for, for making an indiscretion, I paid through the nose. That was a lifetime ago. I'm in western Pennsylvania now regrouping my life and uh, doing my thing on antique cars and trying to live the rest of my life in peace. It's not something that I want to hide. It's certainly not something I'm ashamed of. And on the same time, it's not something that I'm very proud of. But it is a part of my history, and I don't hide it. I will tell you this. I'm very irritated because uh, I've done about 13 or 14 great radio shows, and I've got uh, some speaking events lined up, and I've got some book signings lined up. But every now and then, somebody comes back at me like I'm uh, Jack the Ripper. I was set up to do a nice presentation on UFOs in the Old West at the uh, Devil's Tower, Wyoming meet later this year. They were excited to have me. And then they called me back and they said, wait a minute, you're a felon. You were involved in all this movie poster stuff. We don't want you here. And so I was like, okay, well, you know what? That's perfectly fine. So every now and then you get a little, you get a little of that. Uh, sure. Now remember, by the way, that we have some famous convicted felons like Robert Downey Jr., one of the highest paid actors in the world. He spent some time Martha in jail Stewart. for drugs. We have also, we have G. Gordon Liddy, the Watergate figure. He's a convicted felon. He became a famous talk show host and commercial spokesman. So there is life after Stewart. prison. I was at a place like Martha Stewart was, you know? Yeah, do white-collar criminals really get lush, elaborate surroundings? I was in a place, it was so funny. I was in a place with doctors, lawyers, surgeons from UCLA. <laughs> I, was in a, I, was in, I was in a place they call Camp Cupcake in Morgantown, West Virginia, and, uh, which is where I met my co-author, which is one of the greatest people I ever met, and some of the greatest people I ever met. Yeah, this is part of my hash. It's part of my history. It creeps up on me every once in a while, and somebody looks at me crossways. But uh, that's okay because they don't understand. They just passed a little act in Pennsylvania here, just this week. One of every three people in Pennsylvania have a background, have a and I'm not going to say a criminal background, but a conviction background, where the whether that be felony, misdemeanor, or whatever. So they actually passed something to uh, do away with those after so long, to clear everybody's record. But yeah, so uh, that's a part of my past. I'm not ashamed of it, and I am moving forward. And I was lucky enough to publish my novel, and I'm lucky enough to find a producer that uh, believes in me enough to do my television show. Personal suggestion. Don't listen to me because I know nothing about this. Write a book about the scandal. I'm yeah. serious. I'm very serious because people like to read about that because it's a story where it's redemption. You're saying, look, I yep. did this crazy stuff and I became infamous and now it's redemption. 
They make movies about that. Okay. Oh yeah. They make Trust movies me, about that. Have, you could uh, be uh, your life story could be in a movie. You go on all the talk shows. You can sell your novel. I'm serious about this. I'm not joking. I think that's something know, tr- that you can me. do. I read a 471-page autobiography. The title of it is called Maker of Monsters. I am infamous. And uh, I am infamous in a way that nobody else in the world is for what I did. And uh, I will sensationalize on it one of these days. But now is not quite the time. Uh, Again, I want to move a little bit forward with my life before i get into all that but uh, oh I'm, I'm 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 not with you i'm over i'm i'm, I'm i've already i know all of that trust me i've had people advising me to do the same thing oh yeah like uh leonardo dicaprio he did a whole movie about a guy who was uh essentially making money like bought printing presses catch me if you can i think was the name of it pretty good movie too yeah, yeah that was all it. about a forger yeah all about a forger well we made we made museum quality forgeries that went to the major auction houses and passed with flying colors. But what people don't understand is the major auction houses, they were already selling fakes that they knew were fake. Heritage galleries in Texas were, had been selling fakes for years they knew were fakes. We were only making fakes that were so much better than the fake that nobody could tell the difference. And I was the one that spearheaded the project. If I remember correctly, in the movie, the character ended up getting a job, I think, with the FBI afterwards just to uh, to help identify stuff like that. So, Oh, yeah, he did. He did. Not and me. That, I hate the, I hate the <laughs> FBI. They treated me terribly and cost me everything I have. So I have no I have no goodness for the FBI whatsoever. But I imagine you could pick out a fake movie poster if you, uh, <laughs> you were ever at an auction. You know, it I'm might actually probably. sell for you know it might actually sell for some more money. We're running out of time. Also, there was a TV show about a convicted art forger who works for the FBI called White Collar. Ever hear of it? Uh, no, but I'm sure there is one. There are people who actually do that. I may have seen an episode of that. If I re- if it was what I recall, it was a pretty good show. I just caught some of it when it's pretty good, but uh, didn't follow it. Yeah, but what happened here is that. He teams up with an FBI agent in New York and went on for five or six years. I thought it was a lot of fun, interesting adventure. Certainly something worth looking at. Anyway, we're about out of time and we look forward to your further news of your travels, Carrie Trent Haggard. Do you have a website that maybe our listeners can look into? Our website is going to be uh, wheelsofthepath.com, but it's not up and running yet. Anybody that would like to contact me, uh, it's wheels of the past productions at gmail.com. Sounds good to me. We haven't mentioned your site as often as we should, Randall. Tell us about your UFO organization. That's uh, Ufology Society International, USI, at ufopages.com. I'm in the middle of rebuilding the site, so it works better on portable devices like iPads and such. That should be up a I'd say probably within the next six weeks or so. We've got about 2,000 members around the world, all interested in UFOs, free membership, always for life. Works for me. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for the two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. And don't forget the Paracast Plus. What do you do? Well, go to plus.theparacast.com. 
That's plus.theparacast.com. And you'll learn about the Paracast Plus, which offers a number of services for modest monthly fees starting at $1.49 a week. I think that's cheaper than some people charge for a cup of coffee. That's plus.theparacast.com. We offer the After the Paracast podcast. It's going to be fascinating this week, I'll tell you. And then we also offer a version of the show with better quality audio, but without the network ads. People talk about the ads, and we realize the ads are important for radio shows. It's a source of income for the network. It's also irritating to some listeners. So you get it without, with better quality audio. And other features are coming. We have some videos there already. Plus.theparacast.com. I'll tell you something, Carrie, you have a fascinating, fascinating life. Yeah. I wish you the best for the future. Carrie Trent Haggard, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.